This is Design Tracks, a podcast by Design Matters, made for designers by designers. We'll bring together creatives with diverse backgrounds and skills from all around the globe to talk about crafting quality design and empowering diversity. This season, we'll focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Design Matters is a global community of designers who love to explore and inspire each other to break new ground in the digital realm. Join our conferences in Copenhagen, Tokyo, Mexico City, and Lagos, and help us spread knowledge and ideas. Read more about us in designmatters.io, and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter at designmattersdk. If you are enjoying our content, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and leave us a review. We truly value your feedback and support, and we want to make sure you love each episode. Our speaker of today, Coral Michelin. Coral Michelin is a strategic designer, graduated in environmental management, with a master in strategic design and a PhD in design. Coral is a strategic educator and facilitator, with a focus on ecology, regeneration, systemic thinking, diversity, futures, and decoloniality. She is a visiting professor at IED Sao Paulo and ESPM Sao Paulo and is currently the Research and Development Product and Project Manager at RE.Green, a company that restores tropical forests for people and the planet. Coral is also the co-founder of Radar ASG, an initiative that helps organizations advance in their socio-environmental goals. Former Director of Community and Mobilization for Innovation at 011.Lab, the Innovation Laboratory of the Sao Paulo City Government and Coordinator of the Bachelor's Degree in Product and Service Design at EID Sao Paulo. She's also a prominent ecologic activist, passionate poet and feminist. Without further ado, our conversation with Coral Michelin. Hello, everybody. My name is Leisha Gubello, and we are in another amazing episode in Design Tracks. I'm a, your, your co-host, um, and not so typical Latina. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm recording from the beautiful Iceland of Puerto Rico, where always is summer. How are you, Mr. Sam? I'm great, Leishi. I, I hear you're sick. We're both sick. We both have a little bit of a cough. I'm sorry. Are you doing okay? I'm doing great. How about you? We are in the same boat, apparently. I I just wish that our voice doesn't <laughs> doesn't sound so weird to the other episodes. <laughs> I wish I wish my voice was just a bit deeper. You know, just give me a little bit more, just a little bit more. But no, it's still it's still high pitched with <laughs> just with a cough and this weird rasp to it. So if you hear Leishio or myself coughing through the episode, that apologies in advance. You can't catch anything through a through a podcast, so we, we're all safe here. <laughs> today with us is Coral Michelin. I'm super excited to have her today with us. How are you, Coral? Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Very Welcome. well. I'm not sick or anything yay. so <laughs> yay <laughs> uh, thank you for having me guys of course thank you so much for saying yes in which part of the world are you at the moment i live in sao paulo brazil so mm -hmm. it's very very hot these last days here we we are full on climate crisis and we've reached the the peak of 50 degrees celsius last week oh my so, god yeah. I was saying we were talking. I was talking to Carl just before we started recording, and I love Sao Paulo. I when I visited, it really was one of my favorite places to visit and work. So um, I, I'm a little bit jealous. Maybe not of that heat. Like we've just come yeah. into the, we've just uh, we've just hit the real cold spell. I went out to surf this morning, and it was not warm. It was not warm at all. I was not feeling it. 
Um, Carl, I'm going to start us off with the questions. Um, and we'd love to talk to you, obviously, a little bit about sustainable design. Um, but we'd love to know, in your experience, what are some of the misconceptions about sustainable design and innovation? Well, actually, I don't see a lot of people doing the connection between sustainable design and innovation. And I think that's the, the main misconception I see, because if you want to do um, real sustainable design, ecological design, you have to do a lot of innovation. You have to push on to be innovative mm. somehow. Um, and I, I think that people are, I don't know if I can say lazy, maybe that's a, a harsh word, but maybe it's, um, we're not thinking enough out of the box. Maybe I would go for that path, you know, and to do sustainable design in a system that has been doing everything wrong for the past uh, century or so, uh, we have to think out of the box, you know, when we have to push the frontiers of what is sustainability and what we can or must do from within the system. So if I should uh, put these two worlds together, sustainable design and innovation, what I see the main misconception is actually not putting them together enough. Is it is it people just aren't prioritizing it in the right way? Well, you know, um, if you if you truly want to be sustainable, you have to reinvent the wheel. Basically, you have to do so mm. many things from from scratch. You have to push against rules and and factories and machines and 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 the whole system actually you know and um yeah so i believe that uh, daunting uh, for some people you know that could be uh too big of a challenge to face so we it, you know when you have a porridge and you just go eating from the outskirts of it i think yeah, that yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the approach we've been doing with sustainable design you know just taking a very little baby step at time it's interesting when you talk about sustainable design, some designers think, okay, yeah, but what I can do, like, I, I'm just working with digital products, for example, like how I can design sustainable because it's a digital world. And you start realizing that it's also a lack of knowledge and in education in terms of this kind of topics, because yeah. some designers doesn't know even that the way that you design and the, the graphics that you put, or for example, in a web page can have a huge impact of the missions, right? And it's, it's, yeah. I know that it's like new kind of topics for some people, but other times it's like a lot of lack of knowledge. Um, do you have any opinion on that? Um, I agree with you, you know, and it's a, a general lack of knowledge, not only with the, with the designers, but with, um, you know, with the clients and population, you know, because I've been very happy to see in the past years that a lot of softwares have been coming with the with the option to go gray or black, you know, you have the, mode, the yeah. light option and the dark option. Yeah. So the dark option actually saves a lot of energy, you know, but people were not willing to do the change because maybe they don't know the difference of impact of of energy use on that so yeah i think that it all starts with education you know it's a very very fundamental grassroots work it's also like things like dark mode they're almost more marketed to protecting your eyes it's more about how do you sleep it's about digital well-being versus the the clear benefits from 
from the sustainability side. I think about this a lot with the Google homepage is white, right? And if the amount of yeah. people that hit that Google homepage every single day, if that was if that was always in dark mode, what what would the impact be on server loads, energy usage? Um, this is actually something I really maybe after this podcast, I'm going to go and find out like how much it would save and how much it would cost and. Um, if maybe it's a small impact in my head. It's a huge impact. But I think you're right. Other than education, it's also the way that these benefits are being marketed as well. Exactly. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, exactly. You're you're spot on, right? And it, it goes uh, to maybe a next topic even that is um, human centeredness. You know, what we say is about human health and not about planet health. You know, and that's a hmm. very big difference in marketing and information and even in, in the drive to make people uh, choose one thing or the other. Um, talking about education, I, I'm just wondering, I want to know a little bit more about your work. Talk about ecosystem design and, and we love that our audience understand a little bit more this framework. What is ecosystem design as a design approach? In the translation from Portuguese to English, it's ecosystemic design. Um, and it's an approach that I have been um, building for the past five years or so. And it draws from uh, regenerative design. And it's an approach that aims for the regeneration of ecosystem uh, through the regeneration of your own self. Uh, it means that you have to have a, a different worldview, a different approach to what is life and um, your own uh, path in this life. Um, mm. So you can do a better design and you can regenerate the ecosystem basically. And one of the main points of the ecosystemic design is um, the non-human centered approach, almost against human centeredness, you know, because I see it as one of the root reasons uh, that we're facing the climate crisis we're facing nowadays because of the worldview that puts humans in the center of the world and put men above nature and men above women and makes a clear distinction between what is uh, mind, what is emotion, what is rational, what is um, spiritual. And there is a lot of oppositions that have uh, fragmented our reality and the way that we perceive life and that are in the, the origins of the uh, relationship that we have towards nature and towards everything around us. And then when designers are, are embedded in this uh, modern worldview, because th this is the modern worldview that we've been um, dealing with for the past centuries and we've been building our societies and civilizations uh, with these world modern worldview and um, it's because of it that nowadays we have um, the society that it's so individualistic and when design comes to these worldview we are more concerned about building gadgets that if we look deeply into the gadgets that we're building, we're going to see that 
there is a lot of nonsense around it. There is a lot of, do I really need this, you know, in my life? Uh, do I really need to use the soil, the, the land, the mountains, the minerals, you know, to build a not just another gadget, you know, mm -hmm. and this is what, what we're, we're dealing with nowadays. I'd love you to elaborate more on those key principles of ecosystemic design and, and how it different, uh, differentiates from human-centered design. I, I, I'd love to get deeper into that. Okay. Um, well, one of the principles is that you have to reconnect with nature, seeing yourself as nature. Uh, we're not um, designing for nature. We're designing as nature because there, there is nothing in existence that is not nature, including ourselves. So the first and, and most important principle is that you, you're designing as nature because you are nature. And the second principle is that you have to push yourself outside of your human centeredness. So you have to think uh, beyond human. Uh, how do you design for the well-being of the ecosystem where you're standing in? So in Sao Paulo, we were speaking of Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is in the forest, Mata Atlantica forest, forest, and it's a very important biome in Brazil. And it's one of the most biodiverse biomes in the world, you know. So how do you design thinking of the well-being of the being non-human beings that live in the same city as you? How would you think of a bus stop that should benefit beings other than human? How would you think of a building? How would you think of a pavement? How would you think of a bicycle uh, through that perspective? So that's the second principle. Uh, you should think beyond human when you um, try to design and benefit beings other than human. Uh, and the third one is just going back to the origins, going back to the roots and the ancient knowledge that we used to have back in the days uh, where this modern uh, worldview was not the main worldview of the world. And we have civilizations that had a totally different relationship with nature. They didn't see nature as resources. They saw, you know, uh, the river as an uncle and the mountain as uh, a grandmother or something like that. And we're all part of the same uh, matter and we all share the same life so when you look at these ancient civilizations and these ancient philosophies uh, you will find some paths to think differently and to provoke in yourself a different worldview um, and then fourth uh, principle you have to always collaborate uh, and always be in dialogue with uh, the social realm where you're standing in also, because there are three dimensions to ecosystemic design, which is the subjective dimension or the individual dimension, the social or the collective dimension, and the ecosystemic or the environment di dimension. And you cannot... Um, a design 
ecosystemically if you don't uh, articulate these three dimensions. So your worldview, the collection of the people you're, you're sharing your life with, and the ecosystem where you're living in, basically. Gosh, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing all this information. Actually, I was on a conference last week, and one of the speakers, he was talking about project management and how important it was for designers and project managers think about the impact of their work in 100 years. And it was like, who do that, right? Who actually had the mind and think about, okay, this project will affect people in 100 years and what is the impact in 100 years and everyone on the on the conference it was just laughing and I just stopped for a second and think about how many of my design doesn't last five years for example or even mm -hmm. like in the next quarter they will change it and uh, six months yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or six months and now you are talking about how important it's us as part of the nature it's even bigger picture that is just like the next quarter or the next screen. <laughs> It is. And we're, we're so used to thinking uh, and measuring time through human lives. And we're nothing. Our lives last nothing. It's, it's less than a millisecond, you know, of the, the planet's lifespan. And we're, we're dealing with everything as if Our span of, time span of life matters. And so there is this new word related to all this regenerative uh, movement that it's coming forth, you know, uh, with a bit more of strength lately, that is legacy. What is your legacy? Because in a lifetime, you're not going to be able to do the changes that we need to do in order to rebalance climate and so forth and regenerate the ecosystems that ha we have been destroying for the past 500 mm. um, years. So you have to think legacy. What is the step that through my life I can take and I can leave as a legacy for the next generation, you know, to build upon? And this is a totally different approach and a totally different uh, worldview as well. You know, I, I'm going to say that word a lot. I'm sorry, but it's all about worldviews. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. It's incredible. Yeah, we, we need it, actually. That's why we're having this amazing conversation. And I know this question could be a little bit deeper uh, between like each one. Um, so the next question will be, what does decolonizing design means to you and why it's so important in the design field? Um, I know it's a hard question and a long question, but we are really expecting your answer. <laughs> Great. I love all the matter of decolonization, you know, and the decolonial movement. And it's, uh, it's beautiful to see it happening in the global South in so many different realms Uh, from art to design to all the the initiatives happening in the diversity, equity and inclusion efforts inside enterprises, they're all moving towards these decolonial path, you know, and it's beautiful to see. So trying to make it easier, I think that we have a tendency to look at design as if it happened from the industrial revolution onwards. And this is the design that we take as the only design that, that happens. 
But when you look at, especially nowadays, that we have so many different approaches and fields of design, you know, from co-participatory design to speculative design to everything, you know, you have so many different approaches and areas of design. And now you, you stop to think, what is actually to design? And then in Portuguese, we say projetar, projetare in Italian, you know, it's, it's to make something. And if you take that, that what the action actually means, you're going to see that we have been designing since humankind uh, appeared, you know, and you, if you broaden that spectrum, if you broaden the, the view to look at design that way, you're not going to uh, be stuck with the notion that design is solely what has been done in the global north from the industrial revolution, you know, mid uh, 18th century onwards. And you're not going to drool on everything that comes from the north, you know, because this is as as a person from the global south, I know that we're always drooling, you know, like, oh, Scandinavian design, oh, my God, and all of that, you know, but hey, wait a second, we have been doing design over here as well, beautifully, actually, there is this amazing book by, um, oh, my God, I forgot her name just right now, uh, low-tech radical indigenism, Watson is her name, surname, actually, uh, it's a beautiful book, and she shows a lot of uh, indigenous designs that has been uh, made for centuries and millions of years, you know, and that is also design. When we look at design that way, and the way that it has been done in the past, like the Quechua bridges, you know, in Peru, they have this tradition where they build bridges from one slope to the other with using nothing but wheat uh, kind of matter. I don't remember the name of the matter that they use, but it's all organic and they do it for centuries. Uh, they have been doing that and it works perfectly and it destroys nothing. It uses only organic and natural matter and it gets done what it needs to, to do. It, it has its function, you know. And when we look at design that has been done uh, in these ancient civilizations and for so many years and the relationship with the materials that you use and with the life that it draws from, you know, it's so different. And maybe that is uh, an inspiration to practice a different design nowadays in other areas and even digital design, you know, because you're going to think twice, where am I drawing this energy from? What is the cost of doing that uh, more lightly with more light or doing that with more movement or less movement or, you know, such tiny details. But if you put it all together with an 8 billion people planet, it counts. So I think that decolonizing design is actually, you know, not looking for the design of the global north as the most beautiful example of design there is and the design uh, there is to be followed, you know. Um, I think that 
in the end of the day, it's about it, you know, just valuing things that have been done differently with different um, approaches and using different matters, but still uh, sorting out and, and uh, making solutions for the problems that existed, you know. Unlock the power of collaboration and save up with group discounts. The larger the group, the larger the discount. And yes, to also count as a group. If you are planning to attend any Design Matters conference with your team or friends, simply send an email to hello at designmatters.io and secure your exclusive group discount. See you at the conference. Now let's continue with the interview. I will not try to extend it too much because it's a it's a hard topic. But um, I think one of the biggest examples here in Puerto Rico, um, we have a huge history about being a part of the United States, but also as a territory. And it's interesting how we apply some of the designs and practice from the United States um, just because we think that is they are amazing. But we are not aware that not necessary. It's it's good for Iceland. Not because I have this opinion, it's just because nature. One of the biggest examples is how houses are built here. Like um, we follow like the other examples from mm. um, the United States, but when you see the tropic, when you see the climate, the actual way that the indigenous create the houses that had holes on the ground. So the wind came and refreshed the area, the common areas for the families. It was made because of nature because of thinking about the entire climate of the Iceland. So not necessarily those are the only ways to build design. And and thank you so much for, for trying, um, from bringing those examples. I think it's really important having this kind of conversations. It's it's more than just an opinion. It's trying to look with another kind of lens, um, the history yeah. and, and trying to understand different ways to start reconstruction the way that we design. Perfectly, she perfect. It's, it's exactly about that, you know, because we designers, we tend to have this kind of um, attitude as if we were, you know, the saviors of the world and we're here to bring to everyone, you know, <laughs> the knowledge that they need to make whatever they need to have done, you know, and but they, they, have been doing for, they have been doing that, you know, they have been doing their stuff, they have been building their houses, they, they, they are integrated with their own location. And, you know, you, we have to stop being the, the, the saviors and just being part and, and listening and seeing and learning, you know, from all the different perspectives and, different territories taking taking an extra second I, I have so many thoughts on what you were just talking about i i think i had a an existential crisis in the middle of you talking i'm um, sorry no no it's 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 wonderful um yeah, i was just thinking like I, i mean we could really blow this podcast up we could talk about go beyond design we could talk about everything we purchase right and everything we buy and Uh, making sustainable decisions because if we don't m make those decisions people that design them aren't going to make those decisions and encourage those behaviors like this could just go on forever uh, the other thing i did not want to miss i love a good book recommendation so thank you for the book recommendation lacy maybe we can try and get it into the, the notes of the, in the um, episode yeah so people can find it um because i also love a good read um but also just lacy you, you brought up architecture and i think that's the one for me where we often think about architecture because we're thinking in multi-year like we have a lot of the decisions that happen in architecture now in california for example are good but you're not going to see the benefits for another like 30 50 100 years 
whether it's too late or not. That's, an, again, another podcast of whether we're all completely doomed and this is too late. But making those decisions and those habits early, how do they become commonplace and become natural over time, which actually perfectly leads into my next question, which is design education, right? A lot of these changes that need to happen in the design space need to happen in education, whether it's talking about decolonializing design. And I'm really interested in from the standpoint of sustainability, like how does design education need to evolve to better educate for the future around innovation and these social decisions that we're making in groups that will change the future? Like what has to change? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, the, um, I, I can only speak from my personal point of view here in Brazil. I, I am a teacher um, in an undergrad course and postgrad course. What I have done is in my own path, I have taken my undergraduation uh, bachelor degree uh, in environmental management so I could use that knowledge inside design. I was already a designer at the time. I was already working for a few years as a graphic designer, and I knew that I needed to take the next step towards sustainable design and I I, awesome. yeah, I couldn't find it inside design. So I went to um, environmental management. When I came to Sao Paulo, uh, I had the opportunity of being the coordinator of a bachelor's degree in uh, IED, which is uh, Instituto Europeo de Diseño. I just made that uh, discipline called sustainable systems and I put it, that discipline in the first semester. So all the students coming out of you know, school and entering uh, the faculty, they would have to go through that discipline. And I was the teacher. <laughs> so I took uh, all the knowledge that I could from this perspective of the ecosystemic design and I provoked them to think differently about what are the design practices that you need to, to have, you need to think of, you need to, uh, I forgot the word, but you need to do in order to make a better design, basically. So for me, it was my way, you know, of changing a little bit the world because it's the first semester and then they have all the seven to keep on studying and keep on working but they have the the fun fundamentals of they've been seeded with the the right information early yeah. yeah so that was my way of you know inside education putting a seed so i see myself in in that in that space as a seed you know to give these students uh, different uh, knowledge so that they can make uh, better decisions inside uh, their own projects, you know. So this is one thing. But another thing is that all of us, professionals, students, teachers, all of us, we have to stop thinking of education as something that necessarily has to prepare ourselves for the market the market god 
you know, because what we've been doing is we've been killing education. You know, the space of education needs to be experimental. It needs to push forward. It needs to, to give space for imagination, for, you know, rebellion and for everything that we lead to a different world. But because we're so stuck into the market view that we're constraining our imagination, we're constraining our our possibilities, and we're not doing things differently. And this is basically killing our future. Another discipline that I teach is speculative design, and speculative design has been born inside an educational space. You know, if it was not because of that, we would have not have uh, uh, speculative design nowadays and it's so amazing it's such a good practice and a good uh, uh, approach to think better futures you know and to speculate of on the directions that we're going to you know Lacey I don't know about you I'm about ready to get up and move to Sao Paulo and take this course right now like, uh, well I'm uh, gonna get on a plane this afternoon let's do it I don't know if you have is it two spaces maybe Coral do you have two spaces yeah <laughs> Can we do it? Can we do it online? Can we take this class online, or do we have to be there? Well, unfortunately, it's uh, on 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 person. But yeah, we could. We you can say unfortunately. You say unfortunately. Course. You say unfortunately. I just I'm gonna pack up my stuff right now. I'm out of here. Like, uh, oh let's gosh. think of an online course. I'll be happy to to think of that and and get that going. Just think I about just, it. You're you already have two students. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. You've, 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 you've got it in the bag already. Uh, Carl, that was beautiful. I'm just going to state that. Thank like you, that, um, You're very, very passionate about the space. I, I did want to have a quick follow-up question before Lacey gets into hers. Like, you've talked about so much stuff, which is going to make, again, uh, make me rethink my whole life at the end of this podcast. But I'd love, who, who do you think is doing sustainable design well? Oh, my God. You could say nobody. You can say we're too early. That's that's totally fine. I just mm. like I can imagine there's a lot of people and a lot of companies um, who don't do it well. Yeah. And I wanted to focus this on being a bit more positive. Is there anybody like who you could highlight or really shout out as some people or, or companies? Yeah, a project or people or a com- or companies that you think are doing this well who deserve the spotlight for doing this well. For instance, uh, a lot of people working with biomaterials. Uh, the most famous one is Nettie Oxman, you know, that works in the MIT. But there are yeah. a bunch of people working with biomaterials. And I think that these people are just amazing, you know, because the hardship uh, of working with um, bio ingredients, it's, it's huge. You know, you, you have we're building up knowledge that we didn't have before, you know, how, how to make a leather out of banana peels, you know, and it's a lot of <laughs> knowledge and practice and experimentation and everything that goes on in that. So um, I love that, that space of biomaterials and people that are dealing with biomaterials nowadays. I think that they're, they're really doing something great and, very much sustainable you know and other uh thing that i remembered is uh companies actually you know that there is this whole whole area inside the regenerative movement that it's uh, regenerative companies and despite uh i have a, a bit of um 
I'm not so sure what is regenerative companies still, they're doing some nice steps uh, towards sustainability. And for instance, in Brazil, we have this company called Natura, and they're really doing a lot of homework to think how we can be more sustainable, working locally, uh, investing in local communities, uh, using local ingredients and organic ingredients and rethinking the whole packages, you know, and they're, they're doing nice steps towards sustainability. And obviously everyone has been speaking about Patagonia lately, you know, because that is, that was an amazing attitude, you know, just mm -hmm. to have the earth as the main stakeholder, you know, and shareholder or whatever that, that, that is, so important this changes everything this changes the game you know so it's very much sustainable to think of the earth as your main share or stakeholder you know i think that this is a beautiful example i can think of it's had an impact as well i know the um the idea of circular uh, circulative design in fashion is really needing to pick up um yeah and but I, I do know that at least Patagonia is a big enough company where they're having impact. People and other companies are listening, um, hopefully for the right reasons. Um, I I'm fully in love with Patagonia right now. I had an amazing customer experience with them last week um, around recycling a, a piece of uh, clothing that had, had broken and just makes me super jealous. It's, it's you know, uh, give me a job, Patagonia. I'm here. <laughs> And for the ones that doesn't know too much about the work of Nettie Oxman, um, there is a Netflix documentary, um, Abstract. They have a entire episode yes. about her, yeah, about her work, and it's it's just impressive and super inspired. Um, so if anyone wants to learn a little bit more, um, I would recommend definitely the documentary. Um, we are almost there. We are almost um, closing this amazing interview that we, I don't know about you, Sam, but um, I think I changed a little bit my mind in terms of my design. I'm broken. I'm broken. <laughs> I like genuinely, I'm going to go off after this, have a coffee and just like stare at a wall. <laughs> I, I'm a cedar. No, it's amazing. You know? I've put a seed here in all of you, and hopefully ah. in the people listening to. <laughs> I hope this isn't the last time that we speak, Coral. Oh, my gosh. Like just, just, oh, come you know. on. I'm a nice no, it's, person. <laughs> no, no I'm, I said I hope it's not the last time. Uh, oh, okay, just, sorry. No, I, I think I could talk to you for hours. We need more of this type of conversations. We need to start actually. 100%. Yeah, start putting this kind of topics that for someone's are hard, for other people, they are inspiring, but we need to start putting these topics to the people. Um, so why does design matters? Oh my God, yeah. I, I'm, I have to do a mea culpa here, you know, because you, you know Pinky and the Brain, that cartoon we had a few years later, a uh, few years ago, uh, I see myself a bit as the pinky and the brain. I'm the brain, obviously, but sometimes I can be pinky, you know, but we are always trying to conquer the world by design, you know, and um, I suffer from that also, although nowadays I have done a bit of my homework and I'm not trying to save the planet with my uh, modern worldview. Um, 
but yeah, everything we do, everything we we have, object or end result of a design process of some sort. So if everything that we have around us from cups to computers to pillows to houses, you know, and all the urban spaces are in some degree or another results of design processes. I think it's quite obvious why design matters. You know, we have been building our whole existence mediated by objects, created artifacts, and we have been distancing ourselves from actually what truly matters, which is happiness, lightness, um, being good people, doing good, you know, and it's, it's a time that we should think of design matters because it allows us to be who we need to be. I think it's a different way of thinking why design matters, you know, design matters because it allows you to be your true self. It can allow you if used uh, with the right word view or for the right reasons or for the right beings, which are not only and solely human beings. Wow. Wow. There you go. <laughs> thank you so much for, for that, definitely. And thank you so much for being here and give us thank a little you. bit of education. We, every designer needed. My pleasure. My, my true pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, please come and join us again. That was incredible. Thank you so much. Well, everybody, thank you so much. And we'll be to the next one. Bye. We'd like to thank our guests who took the time to share their expertise, stories, and knowledge with us. Last but not least, a special thanks goes to you, our listeners. Your feedback and support help us improve the quality of this podcast and our conferences. Don't forget to find us at designmatters.io, on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter at designmattersdk. See you at our events in Copenhagen, Mexico City, Tokyo, and Lagos. This podcast was recorded and hosted by Sam Horner, produced by Leishi Curbelo, and managed by Georgian Lombardo. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of Design Tracks. This was a reminder that the opinions expressed by our guests are their own and not necessarily reflect the views of the hosts, Design Matters, or our sponsors. Our goal is to encourage an open dialogue and share diverse perspectives.